This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like if casual and cool had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham, your guide to the New York Jets sports and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life. Today's podcast is following the New York Jets' 6-32 loss in Orchard Park against the Buffalo Bills. The Jets have lost three straight. They really have played poorly on offense in four straight and plenty more games this season. They struggle again this week. They finally do get in the end zone on a Brees Hall touchdown. But that was really the only moment in the game where it actually felt like this team was going to score. The Jets struggled mightily. The team had four turnovers, two fumbles, two interceptions thrown. The Bills, honestly, the Jets did pretty well against them. Josh Allen did have three touchdowns, but when you look at like Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis basically being silent from the game, not any crazy rushing numbers from Josh Allen or the Buffalo Bills offense. It was just uh, one of those games where even though the Jets didn't play horribly on defense, in no way could they overcome four turnovers and another week of putrid offense. So the Jets fall to four and six on the season. The Bills go to six and five. We got a lot to talk about in this one. Basically, this podcast, I'm going to try to breeze through it as fast as possible. We're going to spend a little bit of time talking about Tim Boyle, 
and the quarterback decision the Jets made after this loss. We're going to blast through a Bills recap, blast through the AFC East playoff picture and everything, ignore the draft order entirely, and then gloss over a Miami Dolphins preview. Father time will probably be the only saving grace to this podcast, but it's like I came into this year thinking we were going to be doing one of our exciting seasons on the pod with Aaron Rodgers playing quarterback, following hard knocks and everything, and this is just another one of those shit years, except maybe worse this time because we had higher expectations, and it's becoming a struggle to uh, to get through them, but I'm going to do my best. I'm going to incorporate both the Bills recap and the Dolphins preview onto this podcast. not going to do a Thursday morning episode just to uh, save time on myself, honestly. It's too painful to record two podcasts right now. I'm lucky I'm even getting through one. But before I begin, I need to remind you to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. Also, follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. So, this game... I mean, what do you want to say about it, right? Zach Wilson played so badly, he got benched. He finished this game 7 for 15 with a touchdown. Thrown to Brees Hall. Thank goodness we finally scored one. We failed to get the two-point try. He threw an interception. He was sacked five times in this game. He looked frazzled as he did his rookie year, as he did his second year, as he has this year. He hasn't gotten it between the ears, and even though he's got a ton of athletic ability that we'll always point to, He can't see the field fast enough. He can't process quickly enough. And playing behind an offensive line like this in a system that was built for Aaron Rodgers, it's the perfect storm for a quarterback to fail. So we move on to other options. Tim Boyle's going to be the first guy to get a try here. And frankly, don't expect too much more from him either. This team was built to be run by Aaron Rodgers. When we didn't have him, it really kind of was over From a sense, obviously, we still had a really good team, and there was an opportunity for the Jets and Zach Wilson to maybe build on some stuff, but going in with Zach Wilson versus Aaron Rodgers was a totally different taste in the mouth of the Jets, and then to see everything that's transpired on the offensive line and and within this team in general, obviously, puts us in a tough spot right now. But the Jets ultimately decide to go with Tim Boyle, at least in this week upcoming against the Dolphins, rather than Zach Wilson. And the decision comes partially because of the outcry from the general fan base, maybe an order from... Woody Johnson, perhaps. I think realistically, when you look at Tim Boyle, the guy has not shown that he is really capable of playing at a high level for a very long time. So it starts with UConn. I'm a UConn fan, so I know him from his time at UConn. He played there for three seasons, finished with a 48% completion percentage in college against, obviously, college defenses playing for UConn. One total touchdown thrown in three years, 13 interceptions. Can he run the ball? He finished his career at UConn with negative 122 rushing yards, so no. Tim Boyle was a horrible, horrible college quarterback at a very, very bad school. He finally got an opportunity after UConn. He had another year of eligibility, played for Eastern Kentucky, where he did a little bit better, but still very pedestrian numbers for a team that's nowhere near an NFL-level team playing against nowhere near NFL-level defenses in Eastern Kentucky. He goes undrafted 2019 to Green Bay. He's brought in basically as like a clipboard and a mind. I think he may have even had a relationship with Nathaniel Hackett from before that. And he's brought in there to help be a guy in the meeting room and help look at film and go through stuff. As the Jets have had a lot of these guys over the years, um, Tim Boyle was just another one. Never really expected to play. It was going to be Aaron Rodgers' team. And if anything happened to Aaron Rodgers, it would be Zach Wilson. And if anything happened to Zach Wilson, I mean, there was going to be an opportunity to make another move. The Jets do bring in Trevor Simeon as that other move, but they've elected to go with Tim Boyle rather than Simeon in this game. And I don't know if Tim Boyle is 
progressively gotten a little bit better and proven to the coaching staff that maybe he's worth a play over Simeon. Maybe Simeon's really struggling or isn't feeling 100% confident in this offense. Or maybe they just feel like they owe it to Tim Boyle, who's been here for longer, to give him an opportunity to try to right the ship since he has been on the team. Not entirely sure which it is, but don't be too excited about what you're going to get from Tim Boyle. Only one time since he was brought into this league in 2019 has he had more than 15 pass attempts. That was 2021 in Detroit where he started for three games. That season, 65% completion percentage. Not horrible. Three touchdowns, six interceptions. Finished 0-3, never won a game. The only good saving grace to his real numbers and careers, he's never been sacked, or he never got sacked that season, starting three total games, which is pretty good. He gets the ball away, right? Obviously, he's a little bit afraid of the rush. Probably means that he's going to throw the ball and dirt it faster than maybe another quarterback, but at least he's not going to get those negative plays that we're so used to seeing from Zach Wilson. Tim Boyle's best game was a 262-yard performance where he had two touchdowns, three interceptions uh, thrown, and a 29-51 to blowout loss. So, you know, he had one game where he actually had some decent passing numbers, got the ball downfield and everything, 262 yards, but it was a blowout. It wasn't a super probably intense defense going up against him. They probably took the, their feet off the gas a little bit against him. And the NFL rushing is just as bad as it was in college. He's got negative four total rushing yards. So, like I said, the guy is smart. He was here to be another coach, a clipboard, another sounding board for that Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett offense. A bunch of guys that have been together in Green Bay, knew the system, and could help implement it within the Jets. Never supposed to play. That said, the one reason that I think that there's a little bit of optimism perhaps around this whole thing is the Jets were in a very, very similar situation last year, or the year before, I guess it was, when Zach Wilson was the starting quarterback and was really struggling. And the Jets had to play Mike White for a game, who literally at that point in the time was was the same thing. When Mike White played his first time with the Jets, nobody thought anything of him. He wasn't Mike effing White. He wasn't this big name or a nice backup quarterback. He was a guy who'd bounced around the Dallas Cowboys practice squad, had never done anything his time in the league, was getting older, never playing, and was like, all right, clearly this guy is just there because he's a good teammate, good in meeting rooms, not really ever going to touch the field. It was a shock that he even made the Jets roster, considering how little experience and good film he'd put out there, including preseasons. But then you play Mike White for a game or two, and he captures lightning in the bottle, not by being electric or prolific passing the football, but by just being the opposite of what we'd seen for so long with an inefficient offense run by Zach Wilson, where Zach Wilson dances around the pocket and is so slow to get rid of the ball and make a decision and tries to find open guys downfield and make big plays, but still doesn't really try to make big throws. He just likes to look for a really long time like he's looking for a big throw without really taking those chances. It's a very frustrating product what you get from Zach Wilson. And we saw Mike White come in, do the exact opposite, and just kind of throw the ball really fast. One, two, throw, one, two, throw. Middle of the field, slants, yards after catch, quick, easy, high-efficiency plays, and letting guys like Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson and Tyler Conklin do their thing. That's the idea of what we can potentially do with Tim Boyle here. And Mike White did it against a team that we weren't supposed to beat. I think it was the Bengals. It was such a breath of fresh air. And he put up those huge numbers because nobody was expecting it. It was totally different than what we'd done all season. It was like, holy smokes, this is great. Now, in the grand scheme of things, it didn't have any staying power because, as I'd said right after watching that, there's only so many times you can throw the ball four yards every single play, rely on yards after catch, without it coming to bite you in the butt eventually. When you throw the ball, high-efficiency throws, you know, middle of the field to curl routes and slant routes to guys dead center of the field, tight ends and wide receivers— 
eventually a ball is thrown a little bit behind the receiver or tipped up in the air, and when it's thrown in the middle of the field like that, they get picked off. So expect some tipped passes that get intercepted, just like we saw with Mike White. But expect the ball to get out quickly and opportunities for our guys to make some plays. And if they can with Tim Boyle, maybe we can just get a little bit going on offense, maybe something more than we've seen with Zach Wilson so far this year. And we can find a way to beat a Miami Dolphins team on Black Friday that would be a huge win for the Jets, a huge confidence boost for this team, and a really important game in the division. At 4-6, and six, the Jets are not out of this thing. The Dolphins have, what, seven wins? The Jets have four. We play the Dolphins twice. There's still an opportunity for the Jets if they can get something going. Tim Boyle's the next guy to get that shot. Trevor Simeon's going to be the backup for this game. He started 30 games in his career. He's got actually 42 touchdowns thrown, 28 interceptions. So he's got a little bit more of a resume than even a Zach Wilson has, definitely more than a Tim Boyle. That said, Trevor Simeon hasn't won a game since 2017. In the six starts since 2017, he's 0-6. He's definitely struggled a little bit since those days in Denver when it looked like maybe he would be a decent backup quarterback for years. He got replaced in Cincinnati by Jake Browning, who, if you watched the most recent game when Joe Burrow went down, Browning looked bad. I mean, he looked worse than Zach Wilson, and that's potentially a guy that beat out Trevor Simeon. So the options here, they're not super exciting, but they are different. And they are a different way of playing offense. And even though Mike White didn't have staying power and isn't a starting quarterback in this league, he still was able to find something within this offense to make it work at a point. And there's a chance that being there, Tim Boyle has learned a little bit progress since his last time playing football. There's a chance that his mind, and he's able to read so quickly that we find some success. There's a chance that Trevor Simeon ends up playing this week, next week, very, very soon. And honestly, there's a chance that Zach Wilson still ends up playing for the Jets again this year. Because there's no guarantee that Tim Boyle is going to be the guy that we want to roll with for the rest of the season. There's a lot of year left. We still have seven games to play. We've only played ten so far. Aaron Rodgers started the first one. Zach Wilson's only really started nine games. We're talking about seven more starts in this season. Zach Wilson's suiting up for this game as well. And I know some people are kind of shocked or surprised by the Jets suiting up three quarterbacks for one game. I think when it comes down to it, Trevor Simeon does not have a history of staying healthy on the field in the last few years. So to go in with Tim Boyle, who may be in way over his head with, keep in mind, still a horrible offensive line. No one's going to look really, really good behind a horrible offensive line. So if Tim Boyle gets absolutely shelled and you put in Trevor Simeon, there is a pretty high chance that Trevor Simeon gets injured because he seems to be made of glass in these most recent years. I think rather than ending up in a situation where you're benching Zach Wilson and you've got magazines and news articles and all these people talking about how the Jets are playing Garrett Wilson or Brees Hall or something at quarterback because Zach Wilson was so inept. I think they're better off just having Zach Wilson there. And just in case things really go nuts, you at least have a guy that can play quarterback. So one way or another, the Jets are trying things. They're trying to figure out a way to salvage this season, to appease the fans, to figure out if they have anything within any of their quarterbacks on this roster. And so I wanted to touch base with my dad and see what his father time was because we're definitely at a crossroads here. It's definitely familiar territory for New York Jets fans, but it's definitely a spot that, uh, you know, a lot of different things are going to change and we're going to see kind of which direction this season goes. So this is this week's father time written by my dad, David Burnham, and it's titled Tipping Point. Here we go. Black Friday is a game that is another in a long stretch of important games. This is just another one. 
it seems that every week there's a game that could change the complexion of the whole season, a tipping point game. I know that Tim Boyle is a third-string quarterback, but I hope and even believe that he can create a spark a la 2022 Mike White. Boyle is the exact opposite of Zach. Zach has the talent and Boyle has the brain. With the new brain taking snaps, there's going to be new team energy against Miami, energy that's been slowly leaking away since the Charger game. This Miami game is a chance to right the ship and would do a lot to get back on track. With Desmond Ritter and the Falcons coming up next week, a lot can be fixed by winning this Friday. It would at least put some fun back into the season. At most, be a springboard for Atlanta and Houston games and beyond. A new revived season, another tipping point. Happy Thanksgiving, Jets fans. Go Jets. End scene. So, wow. That is my dad's thoughts on everything that's going on here. My dad is pretty openly against Zach Wilson. I know that he was, for a moment, kind of intrigued by a spark that maybe we'd seen against the Kansas City Chiefs. Thought maybe that was the beginning of something special going for Zach Wilson. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Maybe uh, we got unlucky with the offensive line. Maybe it was just a random occurrence. Maybe it was the perfect schemed offense versus a defense that catered well to what he was trying to do. Hard to say, but we had a little bit of hope. Other than that, my dad's been pretty off on Zach Wilson since he got here. Honestly, he didn't want him out of BYU. He doesn't like his uh, overall demeanor, the way that he's played the position for the Jets. And honestly, I've stood up for him for a long time, and, and how can you blame him? Zach Wilson does not have a track record of playing good, successful quarterbacks, specifically not consistently. If he's done it here and there, it's once every five weeks, and then by the time you realize, oh, shoot, that was just a flash-in-the-pan good game, he's horrible again, and and you're just waiting for him to flash for another moment. So my dad obviously uh, sees Tim Boyle the same way that I do in the same vein as, as like a Mike White, that opposite type of quarterback that is the clipboard, is the brain, that's the opposite of Zach Wilson, who is the athleticism. And I get that Joe Douglas drafted Zach Wilson second overall. And I get why he did it, because he has all that ability. And if you can get the mind right, it's a lot easier in your head, like in theory, to teach somebody the mind, to get them in a study session and say, hey, this is how we're going to play the position. Eventually, the guy just grasps it, and he's got all this physical ability. That's a lot easier than taking a guy who's really, really smart with no physical ability and saying, hey, we're going to transform you into an NFL-level player. So they take shots on guys that have that athletic ability. I get it. But when it didn't click... And now you're looking at a guy like Tim Boyle, who it probably has clicked for for a long time. He just doesn't have the ability. It's interesting to see the opposite approach being taken. And I think we're going to learn a lot about this Jets offense. I think we're going to learn a lot about Nathaniel Hackett and what he wants to do. I think that Tim Boyle is definitely going to struggle to get rid of the football. He's going to struggle to be comfortable behind that line. We're going to have to get it out quickly. I hope he even has a chance to throw the ball in this one and isn't just wrecked, sacked, you know, 10 times in a game or something, nonstop pressure. But if he can get it out, we're going to see a little bit more about where these Nathaniel Hackett reads are supposed to go. Because Zach Wilson doesn't just let it fly. He doesn't do one, two, throw. He doesn't look at the first read, second read, third read in time. It's all just chaos waiting to swirl out of the pocket. We might see a little bit more from this offense with Tim Boyle back there, and, and I hope we do. My dad's basically saying we're at this point here where if we beat the Dolphins at 4-6, and six, we go to 5-6. and six. Falcons coming up. Texans coming up, there is still an opportunity for the Jets to salvage this season. This is basically that that last tipping point that's going to be whether or not the Jets are able to make a realistic playoff run. Obviously, they could win the last six weeks, do something crazy. But if they're going to make the playoffs, it really kind of has to start this week. And putting it in the hands of Tim Boyle kind of puts it all on him. Even if the Jets lose this one 
and the playoffs seem totally out of question, but they play a pretty good game with Tim Boyle. At least you can feel pretty good going into the Falcons game. Like, all right, at least we can operate an offense and look okay against them, Texans, Commanders, the upcoming teams. And that, I think, would go a long way for Jets fans and the overall morale of this team and fan base. So I, at the very least, hope for something more than the 6 points, 11 points, 10 points, 9 points that we've been getting from these Zach Wilson starts. Get us in the end zone. The Dolphins have a defense that can allow us to do that. Come on, Jets. Come on, Tim Boyle. I'm with my dad on this one. It's an exciting time to try to rally behind this team one more time. So that was this week's Father Time. Thank you, Dad. Before we do a quick Bills recap, as quick as we can do it, um, and then just a Miami Dolphins preview, we have to take a quick commercial break. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you by Skinny Pop Popcorn. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Oh, so light and crunchy. Skinny Pop Original Popcorn is the snack you've been searching for. Made with just three simple ingredients, popcorn kernels, sunflower oil, and salt. Snacking never felt or tasted so good. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Give yourself permission to snack and pick up Skinny Pop Original Popcorn today. Night racing is back at Richmond Raceway. This spring, top NASCAR drivers like Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Bubba Wallace, Ross Chastain, and Virginia's own Denny Hamlin will battle under the bright lights. And this historic track also offers a rocking infield experience with unparalleled access to your favorite drivers and one of the best tailgate scenes around. For a weekend of friends, family, and amazing short track action, head to Richmond Raceway, March 29th through 31st. Get tickets now at richmondraceway.com. Alrighty, and welcome back to This is the Jet Life. So just looking at this Buffalo Bills game, the Jets lose 6-32. to They do get into the end zone on a catch by Brees Hall, who wasn't able to run the ball very well, but he did have 50 yards, got that touchdown. Thank goodness we finally scored. That felt good at that point in time, like getting the monkey off the back and not being able to get touchdowns. But they go for two, they don't get that, and they don't really get another good chance again for the rest of the game. No field goal tries. No other touchdowns. They end up benching Zach Wilson. So the offense was a struggle, for sure. I think the only real exciting parts of the thing were you got to see a little bit of Carter Warren when Mekhi Becton went down. That was a bummer. Looks like he's got a low ankle sprain, probably out one to two weeks. I think he's trying to play this weekend, Friday, against the Dolphins. But if he can't do that, which is very possible, maybe one, two weeks before we get Becton back. But we got to play Carter Warren at left tackle. And it was nice to see him, even though... The numbers didn't look great. The PFF grades didn't look great. I think overall, he didn't look like he was getting embarrassed. And for a rookie left tackle that I have, you know, medium hopes for as being like a good backup tackle at the very least, that's kind of what I'm hoping for. I think I saw enough to make me feel like if we do roll him out against the Dolphins, he may not get absolutely torched the way we saw Billy Turner get torched. So that was exciting to see. Jeremy Rucker had a nice game, kind of, right? Three catches for 25 yards was... Better than most guys on this team. He only had 92 passing yards and 63 rushing yards, so not much to go around. But three catches for Rucker, 
25 yards. Good to see him getting involved in the offense. And then another young guy. Good to see Israel Abanaconda finally getting on the field. He had a kick return opportunity. He had one run in this game for 11 yards. He had a catch for five yards. So we are seeing him finally get acclimated. It's now not like putting him in. I think that first time you put a guy into the game, it's like a lot of jitters, a lot of emotions, and just like, oh my gosh, nerves and stuff. It's nice to get that stuff out of the way in a game that obviously didn't matter at the point when he came in. Now it's like he's just continuing or building off of it if he comes into the game against Miami. And from what we saw in that one run, I mean, the Jets were really, really inefficient running the football in this game. They had 52 yards on 17 carries when you take out Israel Abanaconda's run. Abanaconda comes in one time, 11-yard rush. End of the game, sure, but you like to see it, and it gives you a little bit of hope and optimism for the offense. When I'm looking at the offensive player of the game, I can't give it to Brees Hall because even though he had the touchdown, 10 rushes for 23 yards on 2.3 yards per carry, it's not effective enough, and it's the offensive line's fault. It's not his fault. Running up the middle is a pain in the buttons, but he's not going to be player of the game with a performance like that. It's not going to go to any of the quarterbacks. The other running backs didn't do anything. Garrett Wilson, you usually just throw a player of the game to him to bail you out, but in this game, he actually had more mistakes than good plays. So when when it's all said and done, I think one guy that deserves a little bit of credit that doesn't get a lot is Lakin Tomlinson because the guy had a pretty bad year last year, but he's playing okay football for the Jets right now. And I think we're often lumping him into a category of just like Jets offensive line sucks because it does. The whole unit is pitiful. But when you look at individual players, Mekhi Becton's been playing all right and Lakin Tomlinson's been playing all right. Joe Tittman is playing at a decent level as well but his center play isn't nearly as effective and impactful as he was playing at guard. So we're getting a little bit less there. Lakin Thompson played this game, didn't give up a ton of pressures, isn't having any penalties in this game, had the best PFF grade of any offensive lineman. I think the fact that he's been able to play every single game, like, thank goodness he's playing every game. Imagine if he wasn't in right now. You'd be talking about a backup player at every single position on the offensive line. He is the only dude that was supposed to start week one and is still out there on the field. He had a decent game in this one. He gets offensive player in the game in a game where the offense was basically non-existent. So good job to Lakin Thomas and glad we at least have him out there on the offensive line. That's all I really have for the offense in this one. Don't want to talk about the rest of the performances, honestly. When you look at the defense in this game, I think the Jets' defense was a little bit better than it appeared. Obviously, 32 total points against them looks like not a great game. I played him in fantasy football thinking that we'd do what we did week one. We didn't. Obviously not a great score there. But when you look at Xavier Gibson fumbling the ball on the 20-yard line, giving the Buffalo Bills easy points, Zach Wilson throwing a pick, Garrett Wilson fumbling it, Tim Boyle throwing a pick, there were a lot of opportunities for the Bills to get easy points. Then they get an 81-yard touchdown to Khalil Shakir, and that's enough to basically get him to 32 points in this game. There wasn't a good performance from Stephon Diggs, four catches for 27 yards, Gabe Davis didn't even catch the ball. Like I said, Khalil Shakir was the guy that really had the impact in the passing game for them. 115 yards on three catches, one of those being that 81-yard touchdown. And the big reason is that guy plays in the middle, in the slot, and we didn't have Michael Carter. It's a big difference not having Michael Carter and trying to move your pieces around to try to account for the guy in the slot. So I think that it was felt. I think Michael Carter, too, is a bigger deal to this team than maybe he gets credit for as well. But... The defense overall, you know, it played an okay game, limiting Josh Allen on the ground, limiting him somewhat through the air, but they didn't have those big plays that we had in week one, 
And that's kind of what you do to beat Josh Allen. Some games, Josh Allen implodes, and the Jets have been one of those teams that are forcing him to do that. And he gets frazzled and makes bad decisions and plays hero ball. But the Jets gave him so much confidence by playing such inept offense that he didn't get frazzled in this one. They handed the ball off 38 times. The guy was sacked a single time in this game. We had one sack on Josh Allen. He did throw one interception, so we had our big turnover that you have to get against him. But it was on essentially a Hail Mary throw right before the half. Ashton Davis picks it off. And it was great to get that pick, but it wasn't a realistic game-changing pick. It went right to the half after that. No points scored. No other opportunity. So Josh Allen did what Buffalo Bills fans want him to do. Just rely on the people on his team, don't make mistakes, and beat a bad New York Jets offense. The defense, yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't enough. I think if you're looking for a player to be the defensive player of the game, I think it's got to go to DJ Reed. He did have two tackles for loss in this game, so a nice tackling game, nine total tackles, but he was the guy that really played stout defense. When you look at the outside guys, you know, the two best cornerbacks, Sauce and DJ Reed, limiting Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs the way they did. Between the two of them, a total four catches for 27 yards. Problem is, Sauce Gardner could have been eligible for a player of the game. Didn't tackle as well. And that one play that he could have potentially made a play on the ball was the 81-yard touchdown to Khalil Shakir. So, DJ Reed's had a great season all year. Doesn't get talked about enough again, but he's defensive player of the game in this one. When you look at the special teams, not much to talk about here. No field goals. No extra point attempts. A bad fumble. By Xavier Gibson starting early in the game. I mean, Xavier Gibson had that great overtime winner against Buffalo in his first game ever. But since then, he's made more mistakes than good things on special teams. I think he's made a little bit of an impact in the passing game on offense, but special teams, he has not been a very good returner. At the end of the game, they're actually using Israel Abanaconda to field kicks. We didn't get to see a lot of punt return opportunities in this game because, frankly, we didn't force the Buffalo Bills to punt enough times. They only punted in this game three total times. So we'll see if Abanaconda is back returning kicks next week or if it goes back to Xavier Gibson. Either way, they're both rookies. Both should be expected to make rookie mistakes, as that's what rookies do. The special teams player of the game is going to go to Thomas Morstead, not for his punting, but for his awesome throw on fourth down where it was a fake punt and he throws the ball in the open field to Brandon Eccles, who makes a nice catch. Unfortunately, steps out of bounds before what was almost a scoring run. But Thomas Morstead is one of those dudes. He's just got some cool factor to him. He's punted the ball really well this year. A couple nice punts in this game. But that was really cool to see him do that, especially in a game where, like, the Jets threw for 92 passing yards. And that was how many yards in that play? We got 18 yards on that one play. Zach Wilson, for playing most of the game, had 81 total yards. To see 18 yards on a pass play in this game was a site for sore eyes. So special teams player of the game goes to Thomas Morstead. Also want to give a big shout out to Brandon Eccles who made the catch on that one. So that is our Bills recap. I don't want to talk too much more about it. We got smoked. Nothing went well. So much so that we are literally playing Tim Boyle at quarterback against the Miami Dolphins. The Jets are 4-6. and six. They are officially out of the graphic on TV networks where they show you know, the, the playoff teams, the division winners, the wild card, the teams in the hunt and the bubble, the Jets are not in the mix right now. They're considered one of the worst teams in the AFC record-wise, and until they start winning, they're going to remain off that picture. So they got to get some wins in their column before we really start talking about the playoff picture again. We could start diving into the draft order and start looking at those players, but I'm not ready to do that. 
Let's see how we perform with Tim Boyle against Miami before we decide this is a situation where we're looking at the draft. So the last order of business in this one is just to talk about a Miami Dolphins preview, where the Jets are obviously favored to lose in this one, playing at home. It's the first Black Friday game. Jets will be wearing all black. It's kind of exciting to play a game like this that will be a tradition in the NFL for years moving forward. Black Friday, probably 3 p.m. Um, the Jets have the opportunity, obviously. It would have been a little bit different playing Aaron Rodgers, of course, playing Zach Wilson. We're playing Tim Boyle now in this big game, and this is the game that I'm going to. Me and my buddies got tickets before the season began, paid an arm and a leg for nice 100-level seats to go see Aaron Rodgers and the Jets take on the Miami Dolphins. Week 10 figured, even if the Jets aren't doing so well, you're still in the playoff hunt. I mean, right now, the Jets are still in the playoff hunt, but didn't anticipate it being the Tim Boyle game. This literally could be the one time Tim Boyle ever plays for the Jets. This could be seeing the Greg McElroy game or one of the Luke Falk games. I mean, it's not ideal to <laughs> to put as much in as we did to go to this game. But that said, there is some reason to think that maybe the Jets can be interesting. I think one of the biggest things going for the Jets is that it's a division rival and division games are weird. We've seen bad teams in divisions beat good teams all the time. When it's an in-division team, you know them very well. You kind of game plan going into like the draft and the season to play against those teams because you know so much of your season hinders on those outcomes. So if the Jets can play them well, it's possible they can pull something out. As well as the fact that if Tim Boyle captures lightning like Mike White did, passing quick and effectively... Yeah, maybe we can get the offense going. Maybe there's a little bit of juice behind a new quarterback. Maybe players are going to step up and be like, all right, let's do it for our guy Tim like they did for Mike White. Maybe being this big primetime game, maybe the Jets' defense doing what they can do against the Dolphins can allow the Jets to at least make this thing interesting. So looking at this Dolphins game, Miami's offense has been very, very powerful. 305 points scored this season. Compare that to the Jets, 150 points scored this season. They've scored more than twice as many points as the Jets in the same number of games. You think to yourself, 150 points, that's got to be worst in the league. This is like the worst Jets offense we've ever seen. Believe it or not, the Patriots offense has scored less than the New York Jets through the same amount of games. As bad as we have been with our backup quarterback and fourth string offensive line, the Patriots offense has been even worse with all their starters. Yikes. That said, looking at the Dolphins' offense, very, very fast. you got guys like Moster, A-Chan, Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, Braxton Berrios. It's speed all over the place. They try to be creative. They try to get the ball to these guys in space, give them yards after catch. And when in doubt, they throw it straight up downfield to Tyree Kill, and usually he makes a play on it. The Dolphins' tight ends are minimally used. Durham Smythe is a little bit banged up right now. He's probably the number one guy for their tight end unit. But it basically comes down to the wide receivers and those running backs. As, you know, those running backs will catch the ball too. And then Tua, you try to sack him. He's been sacked 15 times this year. The guy sacks himself before you can hit him. He obviously had some concussion issues in the past. They obviously are trying to prioritize safety for him, getting through a season and everything. We're only in week 10, so trying to make sure that he can be as safe and healthy as possible. But if the Jets can get to him, that is the ticket in this one. I think the game plan for the Jets' defense against this offense is smack them in the mouth. The Dolphins are a smooth, finesse type of offense. The Jets are a gritty, hard-nosed defense. Quincy Williams, C.J. Mosley, Quinnen Williams, all these guys, Jermaine Johnson, Bryce Huff, hit Tua Tungavailoa, hit Tyree Kill, 
hit those fast running backs and make them nervous to go across the middle. If you can strike fear into those players, make two a throw outside, make him go away from Tyreek Hill, that's when you can beat this team. Tua really has not been that effective throwing the football and doesn't look that effective throwing the football to anybody not named Tyreek Hill. And half the time he throws to Tyreek Hill, it's just a bailout play where he throws it, and the real reason it's effective is because Tyreek Hill is faster than everybody else in the field. It's really hard to game plan for that. It's really hard to mimic speed like that. How do you practice against the fastest guy in the league if you don't get to have him there against you in practice? Sauce Gardner has played against him before. DJ Reed has played against him before as well. So hopefully we have... Michael Carter back for this game. And we can play good enough defense to limit Tyreek Hill, get after Tua Tungabailoa, and don't give any easy yards after catch runs or catches to Mostert, to Waddle, to A-Chan, not to Barrios either. If the Jets can do that on defense against the Dolphins' offense, they can make this game interesting, absolutely. And maybe send a message to the rest of the league about playing the Dolphins. I would love to see that personally. You look at the other side of the ball, the Miami Dolphins defense versus the Jets offense. Obviously, we've got a whole new thing coming from the Jets offensive side of the ball. But the Dolphins defense looking at it, they're 25th in the league in points per game allowed. 23.8 points per game. So they're not doing so hot on defense this year. Their units overall, when you look on paper, are probably a little bit better than you would expect. Um, They have a plethora of guys that can get after the quarterback. That includes... Uh, Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips, Christian Wilkins, and more. We've got a decent linebacker group. Their secondary is getting better now that they have Jalen Ramsey back. Add Ramsey into a group with Xavier Howard, who always seems to get a pick against the Jets. Cater Kohu, Javon Holland. I mean, on paper, it looks like a decent unit. But, like I said, 25th in the league in points per game. They haven't been as stout as they'd like to be. So maybe, just maybe, this is one of those weeks that the Jets can get their offense going. I think the game plan for the Jets' offense needs to be dink and dunk, sustain drives, get yards after catch, and grind out a win. Score your 17 to 20 points, use up as much clock as possible, give the Dolphins as few possessions as possible, and when they do have it, hit them in the mouth. Overall, we're going into this game with basically no expectations. We're going to find out if Boyle or even Simeon, if he plays in this game, can provide any sort of spark that's been missing from this offense for the entire season. If we can do that, this season can become at least moderately entertaining again. If we can't, it could be an abysmal, pathetic, pitiful, awful, hard-to-watch rest of the season with still six games to go after this one. So it's an extremely, extremely important game for that. If you're going to the game like I am, be loud, root for the Jets. Don't allow the fact that Tim Boyle is playing quarterback allow you to just give up on this team just yet. At least give him a game to try. So let's do what we can and try to beat a division rival in the Dolphins who maybe aren't expecting the Jets to do too much. My prediction for this game, strong emotions one way or the other. Either really, really negative strong emotions or very, very positive strong emotions. We're going to have them. I'm nervous but cautiously optimistic that something can happen. At least the Jets have made some changes going into this week. Rate, review, subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. That's all I got for this one. I'm Dan Burnham, and this is The Jet Life. (laughs) 